Hello there. Welcome to It's Just a Transit. I'm Josh Sterling. And I'm Amanda Hansen. And helping us out today and every day is Jenny Overton, our creative maven who is always helping us stay focused on transits and not tangents. Absolutely. We are going to be your guides for making transit something to work with and not against. Once again, it's just a transit. So Amanda, I'm really excited for our first podcast today. And uh, we talked about um, what we thought would be most beneficial for everybody to hear on day one. And the best place I think to start is with the big three, which is what we have called ourselves um, as like the, the trifecta of astrology here on our podcast. So what does that mean for you? Um, well, in astrology, you know, you have the big three, which is, you know, you have your sun sign, your moon sign and your rising sign, and they all play a different part. And in our group here, we have three of us and we're all playing very beneficial parts and kind of in different ways. I love that. <laughs> That's totally right. Cause I think we all three of us have strengths that we bring to the table and a difference in perspective. And I think it makes us a really well-rounded group uh, when it comes to talking about transit specifically, you know? Yeah. So just to kind of like start with the basics, um, let's kind of go into what our big three is individually and um, start there, like give people like an opportunity to get to know who we are based on that. And um, I think we should start with Jenny. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jenny. So thanks for having me. My big three are I am a Pisces sun, Sagittarius moon and a Scorpio rising. Um, I'm just kind of all over the place with that. Got a lot of fire, got a lot of water. And I think that kind of perfectly describes who I am as a person. Um, but for the purposes of this lovely project, I am the creative maven uh, behind those posts you'll see. There's graphics to be made, logos to be designed, fun captions to be written. And uh, there's definitely some help I can do here on the podcast, helping make sure that Amanda and Josh stay fully focused on what we're talking about. And that way they can help you best understand what's going on and we can all understand it easier. I love that. So like the first thing I think of when I look at your big three is that you are, you've got two water signs in there, which just makes you like, like, really about everybody's emotions and feelings and like making everyone feel comfortable except for yourself. Like the only one you're missing there is cancer, uh, which is why I know you and Amanda are such great friends because cancer um, is her sun sign. So I think she really helps you to remember to think about you. Oh, like, for sure. And I love that about your, your friend dynamic. Thank you. Yeah, um, speaking of fun placements, uh, we had done some homework as you requested on people that shared some of our big three signs. And I think it's really fun to note that from our list, it looks like my boy Albert Einstein is also a Pisces sun, Sagittarius moon. So please let it be known we that often, me and Albert are friends. We often refer to you as the genius of the group, I think. So I think that's totally fitting. Well, thank think you. Of that we don't think that Amanda and I do not think of for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also some other fun, creative people on the list that share some of my big three signs. Uh, Elliot Page, for example, is also a Pisces sun and a Sagittarius moon. And that is super exciting. Uh, we also then compiled a list that kind of included both uh, sun and rising or sun and moon. And some of the fun ones from the list include some of our best friends like Sharon Stone, Vanessa Williams, Jordan Peele. We've got Hosier, Titus Burgess. Uh, oh, can't forget Ashley Green. Amanda was big on me not or, forgetting Ashley or Green. Alexander McQueen. Like Alexander and Alexander McQueen. McQueen. Like my favorite on there. And I for me, um, like you look at design, like graphic design and marketing 
with a different a different perspective or you look at it differently than anybody else I've ever worked with. So just working with you through our social media and our marketing and you being the behind the scenes person, like Alexander McQueen really resonates for me because I think he is just, a, he, he was a brilliant psychopath and like- That's what everyone calls me. <laughs> That's perfect. It's, it's, uh, it's love and I love that. Um, and it's funny you should mention uh, digital marketing and stuff. Uh, for some of the people who are already following us on Instagram, all of us got uh, questions on our introductory posts. And one of our lovely followers asked me, um, let's see, how did they word it? What was my favorite part of digital marketing? And I think the easiest way to answer that is really to go ahead and address the fact that digital marketing really helps connect people in a space that is otherwise kind of overlooked as like a fun zone. You know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in social media marketing in general. Uh, but the biggest part of what ties it all together and makes it so powerful is that it, it brings people together across all different walks of life. So that's really uh, something that is, what brought me into this space is that there's creativity in, you know, design, there's science and tracking and analytics, and there's connectivity everywhere you turn. So all those three things are just really big and important to me. And uh, really Pisces answer too. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, one of my other questions from someone was, which of the big three of my chart resonates most with me? And that felt like a very unfair question to ask because, um, <laughs> I feel like as a Pisces son, I would never admit that that was who I was the most. Otherwise, you'd walk all over me. Um, but I will say that uh, that Scorpio ascendant has always been pretty strong in my heart. So if I had to really pick one that kind of stood out to me, uh, my Scorpio is actually in my 12th house as well. So I love that. I think that like it's my firm belief that everyone who doesn't have Scorpio placements, wishes that they had Scorpio placements. Yeah. That's just my theory. And that brings us to my beautiful co-host, Amanda Hansen. Let's talk about her big three. Yeah, so I'm a Scorpio sun, uh, Aries moon, Cancer rising. Um, very moon and Mars <laughs> in this chart. Um, I have a lot of Scorpio, a lot of Aries. My cancer is definitely very prominent though. Um, there's a reason that I am queen nurturer uh, because my friends like to call me aggressively nurturing or in your face kind of love and not wrong. <laughs> I'm very calm, but also very sassy and can be very full of energy. Um, and I do think that you're right about the Scorpio placements, like people not having Scorpio placements, wishing that they did that might be why there are a lot of Scorpio haters out there <laughs> um, because Scorpio gets a bad breath. But I don't know how many times I've spent uh, or how much time I've spent in my life basically getting like cringy reactions from people when I told them that I was a Scorpio. I'm like, but I, I'm not what you think. Oh, <laughs> it was definitely, but they, I mean, a lot of people who would have that reaction of me being a Scorpio, um, would forget that I was a Scorpio. Um, like Scorpio men are my weakness. It is just like- They're always pretty. Like, and I'm, and I'm like, I, I don't know how far to go with that notion because we forgot to record um, our little explicit content uh, <laughs> disclaimer. We'll go, I'll go back and put it in so that if I want to talk about deck, I can talk about deck. That or a great opportunity <laughs> to mention that if it's your first time tuning in, please be advised that this is an adult podcast and we will discuss adult topics. And sometimes we might use a couple adult words. So you have to turn listener. it off. Like you can do what you got to do. Yeah. Like, grab your earmuffs. No kids allowed. Listener discretion. Kind of advised. Oh, <laughs> um I, I sometimes i cuss like a sailor and sometimes you know you have some days where where shit affects you and you just need to get it out and that is welcome here it's a safe place to use whatever language you deem appropriate for yourself at the time um we'll try not to like go overboard by any means but you know those things just happen and we cuss like sailors it's just who we are and Welcome to It's Just a Transit. Yes. <laughs> Amanda, 
Um, you, you have, I think, the most famous big three match in our group uh, because you've got Bill Gates. So yeah. how do you feel about that? See, how would you compare yourself to Bill Gates? I don't really know. Maybe that's something that you guys could answer for me because, I mean, I, I guess I... My first reaction when I saw that a while ago was, really? But <laughs> yes, it, I guess it could make sense, but I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I just think that like a lot of fire with water, it makes steam. And I think that it's like this constant go, 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 get shit done kind of placement for me that that's what I that's how I kind of think of it in in terms of how you are as a person because you're an incredibly hard worker like you're always like you've always got a side hustle going like you're like like and I'm totally that person too so like I think that that's why why um I always kind of gravitated to you um why we're probably good friends but I I just think that you have that like I've got a job to do, I'm here to do a job, I'm gonna do that job and I'm gonna do it as best and professionally as I possibly can and like consider everybody else's feelings as much as I can along the way. Yeah. I don't know if Bill Gates does the latter, but like you definitely do. Yeah, I can't speak on him like otherwise because we don't know, but, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely very true on my end. I'm literally always doing something usually i'll run myself into the ground before i rest which is also another fun fact about me i am i'm the worst at going to sleep i see the sun come up before i go to sleep way more often than i should and i blame having aries at the top of my chart yeah for sure like i also there are a lot of like real workhorses that share um your placements like julia roberts um uh, Kate Capshaw, Jamie Lee Curtis, Meg Ryan, Jimmy Kimmel, Anna Wintour, like people that like you hear and see like on a daily basis that are household names. And I think that it really is, um, it really does give you this, like almost like, like fueling your actions with your emotions like because your moon is ruled by aries and cancer is ruled by the moon but your moon is fire so your moon actually like lights a fire under your ass like your emotions and how you feel have a real bearing on the amount of work that you can get done yeah and my moon's in my 10th house i have an aries midheaven aries mars so i'm always ready to go it's a good thing but it can you know, sometimes I wish that I wasn't, but also being ruled by the moon. There are some days where I have a lot of shit that I need to do. And there's just no way that I'm getting out of bed, not because I'm like sad or anything, but because I just really just don't feel like it. (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand it. Now, and music is a huge inspiration for you as well. Yes. um, Especially as an emotional outlet. And I think that that is evident with um, Travis Barker, who shares your sun and your moon. Um, you've got Joni Mitchell and Ryan Adams, who both have your sun and your rising. So some really um, dedicated music inspiration there that share some of your signs as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think like everything that's not sun, moon, and rising, you share with Haley Williams, if I remember correctly. So, not everything, but we do have <laughs> a lot that's similar. Uh, same north and south node, same Chiron, same Mars. Um, if I'm right about the chart that I chose for a birth time, Arch, even our houses are set up pretty similar because uh, she would have a Gemini rising. So it's. Yeah, Kaylee, if you're ever listening, please call Amanda. Please let her do a chart reading or something. It's all she wants. <laughs> so badly. I just want to know if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, like you've tried to like get like get her birth time down to the time. Like I swear, if if she told me in a dream, I'm gonna lose my shit. <laughs> I told you before we started this that 
Haley Williams is going to be our Mark Ruffalo. Like, shout out to the girls over at It's Your Sign podcast. Like, we're big fans. Um, <laughs> but their guy is like Mark Ruffalo. Like, ours is going to be Haley fucking Williams. Watch. It's going to be all my fault. <laughs> I mean, I, funny enough, it's just, I think it's just part of your like investigative nature, just going back to the last time. Williams and Zach Efron. For the oh, yes. Half of the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Amanda, your question from the Instagram that somebody wanted to ask you How did you find astrology? Um, so, I, growing up, I always loved astrology and I always needed to know everyone's birthday so that I could know what their sun sign was. Of course, I didn't know it was called a sun sign when I was a kid, but it was always something to where like, as I got more into astrology and started studying astrology, even as a hobby, my friends, no one was surprised. Everyone was like, oh, duh, of course. Um, but then I think another big thing on that too was when I was a teenager, I was told by many people like my peers that I was like too intense so I that's how I really found a way to relate with my you know my Scorpio side and then it was no surprise that I have a Scorpio stellium in the fifth house so I was like well duh I guess I mean I am your intense three, your big three is ruled by Mars twice because you've got Scorpio and Aries ruled by Mars mm -hmm. And then the moon world by cancer. So you would be a real demon if you didn't have that water sensitivity like thrown into that fire, you know? Oh yeah. It really oh, yeah. runs you out. For sure. And then I don't know what happened. And once I found out that there was a lot more to astrology, I just fell down rabbit hole after rabbit hole and there was just no escaping at that point. And then um and then I think that I started, I was studying for sure, but just through whatever podcasts, the internet, finding books, um, and then found the Constellation Club where I got to meet Josh and a ton of other friends. And that really just made made my, my learning, I guess, go a lot more at a rapid speed, which then I quit my job and became an astrologer. <laughs> Yay. Love that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, which is how we know each other. It's just through studying astrology for the last year and, um, you know, questioning everything together and trying to find answers. <laughs> so it's like the only news for me in 2020 that unequivocally was not fake news was astrology because it played out so literally um, with what was happening at real in real time here on earth. So um, you know, where, where the sun and the moon was, uh, this year was just like part of the story, but like, what a crazy year, you know? So anyway, I digress. Like my sun is in Pisces, my moon is in Taurus, my rising is in Aquarius. So, um, Jenny and I overlap there. And then Amanda and I overlap because I have a lot of planets as well in Aries, which adds a bunch of fire to my chart. Um, like I have a fire stellium, but my sun, moon, and rising are where I've got my earth, my water, and my air. So I'm lucky to have a balanced chart for the most part. I'm like, I definitely, I definitely lean into my placements for sure. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And then our Aries works well together because isn't my Mars conjunct your Mercury and Venus? Yes. Yeah. And my North Node. I think like they're all there. So it's definitely, it's definitely like we were, we can see in our chart how you and I were meant to like complement one, one another and how we work together as friends and how we would like our relationship is really like it, it's eye-opening to look at our charts together and how they aspect one another. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, for sure. We like lost our shit over it. <laughs> we actually pulled up a, a, a synastry of it. So my, my only person that I found that shared my big three is Anne Sheridan, who is a gorgeous actress from the 30s and 40s silver screen actress. She did movies with Bogart with Ronald Reagan with Cary Grant um, and 
that's that's the only one that I found. But um, I think that it's a great, beautiful. I don't know much about Anne Sheridan, so I can't really relate to other than like like I always want to definitely be perceived in a way that's kind and nurturing and very Piscean. It definitely is how I would like to be perceived most of the time. Um, so I definitely like see that she like, like put a lot of effort into that. Um, I've got sharing my sun in my moon. I've got Rob Lowe, Dane Cook, Jasmine Guy, Gilbert Gottfried, Charo, Billy Crystal. It's baffling to me that they're like all super funny people, um, but I tend to be funny without trying to be funny. Like I tend to be like, I don't know. Sometimes I say funny shit. And I, usually when I think I'm funny, I'm not funny. It's when I'm, <laughs> that's those placements. Like it's I like, really. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like doing stupid shit and people think that you're total, you're amazing for it. And like, it was an accident. Like that's 100% my life. Like. I just stumble into good things. And I think that this is kind, of a, is kind of a group of people that sort of stumbled into really great comedy careers. And um, I love that. And now you're doing a podcast, so who knows? This is my spring off point into a stand-up career. I doubt it, but um, it's, it's funny nonetheless to me. Um, and then sharing my sun and rising, we had Nina Simone who like, I adore Nina Simone. Um, like just a beautiful songstress and uh, Andy Gibb showed up too, who was one half of Bee Gees. Um, I appreciate like the musical reference, um, but like I've never had, uh, I, I sing in the shower, that's about as far as it goes but I definitely appreciate music in the same ways that Amanda does. And Jenny too, like all three of us definitely can cry over some lyrics. Um, and I'm sure that we'll do yeah, some, water we'll be doing some crying over some lyrics at some point during this podcast. Hi. Yeah, so, if you're not a fan of water signs, get out now. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like crying, this probably isn't the podcast for you. <laughs> or, or like, or like, um, just absolute, um, sickeningly positive joy. Like it's one, it's one side of the coin or the other. Well, you know? we're all so watery, but also so fiery. <laughs> like, you know, we're definitely not a group of people that is afraid to speak our mind or afraid to, um, do what needs to be done you know what i'm saying so I, I it gives us it gives us a really good energy um i hope and i think some might call it intimidating but i think i'd rather like call it acceptably <laughs> vulnerable <laughs> yeah i like that better than intimidating i hate to hear that i intimidate people like i and i know that that happens because of my fire placements but it's that intensity yeah, but my Pisces son is like, but I love everybody. I'm not scary. I'm a good guy. You know, I love I'm you intensely. <laughs> so right, exactly. So um, gosh, don't you have a Scorpio midheaven? I no? do have a Scorpio midheaven. Right. So that's why we get called intimidating. We all have Scorpio. That's in a pretty good spot. Yeah, but you know, looking back on some of his other like earthy qualities, uh, one of the questions we got on the Instagram for you, Josh, um, you've got a Taurus moon. What's your relationship with food like? <laughs> That's actually a great question because I am a hairstylist by trade and more recently um, a medium, a tarot card reader and an astrologer. Um, I've done a lot of that my whole life, but um, just recently started to incorporate it into the salon that I own. Um, and if I hadn't become a hairstylist, I would have become a, I would have become a chef. Like I totally would have gone to culinary school. It's my, my comfort area. Like my mom was a terrible cook. And so like the one thing that I had to learn early to do for myself was to learn to cook and to be good at it. And, um, yeah, so I, I love cooking. Um, and because of my tourist moon, I tend to like to cook comfort food. 
you know it's like i i make a mean shepherd's pie or like a chicken pot pie like girl sign me up mashed potatoes fried chicken like stop you're gonna make me hungry (laughs) but yeah like food is where i go for comfort absolutely and um i am not ashamed of that love that so enough about us why the fuck are we talking about transits like that is probably what is on everybody's mind maybe not but like for me transits this past year have been so anxiety inducing and i think there are a ton of podcasts out there that talk about transits in terms of the fear factor of transits and like like how every one of them is armageddon and the world is coming to an end and um I feel like we never have an opportunity collectively to unbox that and talk about it. Like how did those transits actually affect us in real time and how do we feel about them and where do we go from here? So it's like being a water trifecta, of course, we want to like dive into like the feelings of, and maybe some damage that some of the anxiety causes surrounding transits, you know? So um, I think it's important first and foremost to understand what, a transit is. Um, so Amanda, do you want to take off there? Yeah. So transits. So in, in your birth chart, all the planets are at a certain location when you were born. Um, and those never change. It's literally a map of your, of the sky when you were born. Um, but what transits are, transits are the planets today moving around um, the sky and making connections with each other, but also making connections with the planets in your birth chart. Um, so like it can dictate, like, did you have a good day? Did something really frustrating happen? Did something really sad happen? Did you just feel sad and you have no idea why, like you woke up on the wrong side of the bed? That is a very good indication that maybe you had a difficult transit that day. Um, And, you know, speaking of like what Josh was saying too about, you know, listening to transits, we all want to know like, well, what can I expect for the week? But like, sometimes it's really just not that great. And like, we need to like revisit that or like talk about it a little bit more. But also like, if you've ever listened to like, I don't know, looked at a horoscope or read, listen to someone talk about transits for the week, and they say, oh, this might be a really rough week, but you don't end up having a really rough week. Well, guess what? It hit your birth chart in a way that it just didn't make it a rough week. Or they could say that it's a pretty good week and you have a rough week. Same thing. One thing I can definitely say is that throughout my life, the hardest transits that I experienced led me to the greatest reward. And I think that that's really important to remember as when we're going through some really hard transits, it's because we're meant to take away some really big lessons from that time in our life. And if you go into it knowing that through suffering comes an awakening or a reward, um, it makes it a little bit easier to like go down that path and get to the other side without antagonizing about it. Um, one of the biggest things that freaks people out is Mercury retrograde or Saturn returns. Um, those are like the big two that really freaks everybody out. Um, collectively this year, we had the grand, the, the great conjunction and the great mutation and all of these like menacing names for fucking transits that really don't affect people on a personal level, affect people on a collective level and no one would argue that the collective energy of this planet has shifted since those transits but they didn't affect us in ominous ways on a personal level and i think it's important to talk about what did change and how it did affect us and all those things which that is going to be the focus of this podcast going forward so um what's a transit in parker's astrology um, looking it up in Parker's astrology, which is mine and Amanda's like 
numero uno when it comes to getting astrology information. It's absolutely the Bible of astrology. If you want to learn astrology and understand it um, from every angle, I think that Parker's astrology is a great place to start. So they refer to a transit as, um, um, they say, as they move around the solar system, the planets constantly make relationships to the positions they occupied at the moment of birth. And I think that that's a really great way to look at it is as relationships, because the reality is not all transits were created equal. They all do different things and all of them are different depending on the planets that are in charge and the place that they are hanging out at the time that the transit happens. So there's a lot of factors that go into these transits. My point is that they are always trying to teach us a lesson. And the only time that they are hard for us is when we resist that change. Yes, absolutely. So, um, let's talk about the different types of transits that we're gonna talk about. So we've got um, conjunctions, oppositions, trines, squares, and sextiles. That's basically where we're going to stop because once you get beyond that, it's, it gets um, super confusing. So we're going to keep it simple. Um, and then I also want to talk about returns. So returns are conjunctions. Essentially, um, they happen when a planet is at the exact same degree that it was at in the same sign that it was at when you were born. Yeah. Right. So um, I know, Amanda, you follow all the returns. Like, in, like you always know when returns are happening. So what do returns, following re um, returns do for you? Um, so they all play out a little different and sometimes I can't say that I've always noticed every single one of them, but like, for example, like a Mercury return happens roughly every year, mm -hmm. just about. Um, not exactly at the same time every year, not like your birthday, but um, like a Mercury return, you might feel like you wanna start learning something new or you might feel like you're communicating extra well that day or, you know, anything that has to do with communication or your thought process or learning something, um, you might feel those effects. Um, Venus is about what you like, what, what's fun for you. What do you, what do you value? That's really important to you. So that on your Venus return, you could also feel that effect. Um, also want to point out that like your solar return and your birthday your solar returns when the sun meets the same exact point when you were born. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily happen on your birthday. Sometimes it happens the day before, the day of, or the day after. It's when because there's always a shift, like a tiny shift each year that can cause it to not be on your same on the same day. So when someone yeah. says happy solar return, they usually mean happy birthday, but it could be on a different day. Which actually explains a lot because I've had birthdays that were awesome the day before or the day after, but not on the actual day. Yes. That I've heard so many people talk about that and it's because your return should be a great day for you, but it doesn't always happen on the day that you expect it to happen. Yeah. Um, really good point. Yeah. Now, a lo your lunar return happens every month. Yeah. That one's the moon changes signs every two and a half days. You have a, the moon reaches the exact degree of your moon sign once a month. Um, and Venus is once a year too. And then- What about Venus and Mercury though? Oh. That either one of them can hit you like it, like once to three times a year because like if they are retrograding, it can hit you three times, you know? Cause it comes across and then goes back over and then goes back over again. So you've, right. got, three, you've got three times when you have a return during those years. Um, and those are years that I would say that are, it's if you do have a retrograde that hits um, its return in your chart, I think that it's because that's just an area that you are, you've got more focus in. You know, if Venus is retrograding in your seventh house three times, um, then maybe that is you meeting or having 
a climatic moment with the person that you're meant to marry or you know it can the, all of these just because there's a return or, or a retrograde doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing um right and mercury goes retrograde way more often than venus and mars venus is every about 18 months and mars is every like two years um but mercury retrogrades happen three or four times a year right exactly so, so yeah it's it's more often that someone would would it's more likely that someone would experience a Mercury return more than once than Venus or Mars. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, Venus return, like like things that happen during a Venus return is like exes calling you or getting in touch with you from your past, that type of stuff. Um, rehashing arguments with friends. Um, the other, the one of the biggest ones. Um, is Saturn return. I think Saturn return is something that people freak out about a lot. And that only happens every 29 and a half years. So like most of us get a Saturn return twice. Um, and lucky for anyone tuning in, I am actively in my Saturn return. So we can all address that considering the three of us here have had many different stages in terms of the Saturn return. That's totally true. Yes. I, I think, um, I mean, my Saturn return had a lot to do with like, like, getting rid of a toxic relationship so that I could make room for the relationship that I was meant to have. So in a nutshell, that's what mine was about. Um, Amanda, what was yours? Um, mine was very work related, but also very relationship related. Mine in Placidus happened in the sixth house. Um, but I definitely experienced a lot of relationship things throughout the entire thing. So it was fun. Yeah. Um, and then what house is Saturn in for you, Jenny? Um, let me check real quick. I don't want to like say without full confidence. I am the astro newbie here in case anyone was wondering. Thanks. I have it. Your Saturn is in Aquarius. It's third house. Yeah, so it's, yeah, third house. I look at it, I look at personal charts in Campanus, which is, which would put you in second house. Um, but you're in third house in, um, I think probably everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Sat so Saturn for you is going to have a little bit to do with your, with your values, but also with, um, like, people that you meet like like uh like people that come into your life that are influential like conversations and communication that you're having amanda what do you think yeah exactly that i wouldn't go any further on like really predicting what it would be like because no. it's so hard to say a lot of it every saturn return affects something in some way shape or form having to do with like your job or your career choice or or like friends or, or any kind of relationships there's always something that kind of gets shaken up a little bit having to do with that so you know saturn in my opinion saturn's going to show you what saturn's going to show you like you can right. you can try and figure out what your lesson could be but saturn's daddy and if he has lessons that he wants to teach you then he's going to teach them to you whether whether you prepare for it or not, whether, I don't know, maybe it'll be like, well, you're doing good in this area, but I still have to teach you this one thing. So let's just do this instead. So it's, it's hard to say. Well, I feel, I, I feel like Saturn is never, ever what you expect Saturn to be. Um, I, so I, I agree with you completely. I don't think that it's something that you could really ex like guess. The only thing that we can like guess is what the themes might be because it's hitting like your second, second, third house. So know, question, because maybe, maybe other listeners might be kind of like new, like me, um, which is great, always fun. Because Saturn return for me is happening in a certain house, that means I should be able to like look into other houses and like see what they mean. So if anyone else has Saturn return coming up for them, they might be able to go ahead and take a look at the birth chart and see where it's in their house because each so, house is different, correct? Yeah. yeah, and we'll talk about we'll talk about houses and what houses means in another 
in another episode for sure. But um, there's definitely the house that you're in will will give you an indication of what area of your life it's affecting. And um, that can help you prepare for it somewhat, but I, I, there's really nothing that can help you prepare for a Saturn return. The one thing to remember with a Saturn return is that at the end of it, you have learned a lesson that will give you a perspective that will serve you in life. Like it is a good thing. And yeah. the less you fight it, the more you lean into the changes that are happening in your life at that time, um, the easier your Saturn return will be. Well, because Saturn return, the whole point of it is to teach you how to be your own parent. It's literally your gateway to becoming an adult. And, you know, you learn to set boundaries and there's just so many really beneficial things that even if it kind of sucks learning the lessons, you're really grateful for it um, at the end of it. So just wanted to add that before we moved on. Well, cool. At least I've got that to look forward to. And sure enough, looks like things are already being shaken up while <laughs> I go through that. But hopefully, no. I mean, I'm excited about all I'll have to learn. I think I'm more worried about, you know, the big baddie coming up. I think I, I think I saw that we're entering the potential for Mercury retrograde. Yeah, I mean, there. yes, which Mercury retrograde is not, let's, we, so yeah, we're getting off track just because we're talking about all these different returns. And I think returns are really important. The only other ones there are really is your Jupiter return, which is every 12 years. So um, that's an area of time where you're gonna look at abundance in whatever area of your chart Jupiter is in. It doesn't always mean money. Jupiter means abundance. It's not always money. So um, that's something important to think about. And then the last three are Uranus, Pluto and Neptune. Uranus happens every 84 years. So it's so late in life that not even everybody has one. And then Neptune is 164 years, Pluto is 248. So like nobody is going to, um, probably not, not many of us are gonna have conversations about those basically. Yeah. Um, so then we've got conjunctions, which are a return, but that's when a conjunction is when it's not the same planet that's hitting. Um, that happens like when they're both at the same degree. Mm -hmm. um, planets that are in a conjunction are going to start a new cycle of something in your life. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then oppositions, Amanda, how would you describe an opposition? Oppositions are when the planets are literally on, you have two planets that are completely opposite from each other. Um, and so it's like, this could this could be challenging. Um, it could end up being not so challenging. It really depends on what planets are they, what signs are they in. But when you think about them being opposite, then they are, they have a similar goal, but have opposite ways of going about it, which can cause some friction. Um, and the best thing to do, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree, Josh, is to literally just kind of hold space for both of the different feelings that you're going to experience and just focus on the goal that they're trying to create. Um, don't try and like combine because then you're just going to get even more frustrated trying to the combine. The thing about an opposition is that they're happening on an axis. So it's always those two signs looking at the same thing from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So oppositions can be difficult, but the, the, the secret in dealing with them is to find the balance. Whatever the balance point is between those two. Yeah. Then we have trines, which is when Planets are 120 degrees away from each other, making a triangle. Trines always happen in the same element. So it's either gonna be all water, air, fire, or earth, like always a trine. Um, they're considered to be really lucky if you have them in your birth chart. I think they're equally as lucky if you have them in your transits. That does, it, it's a positive um, energy, but it does not always mean that they're easy. Like I think a lot of people look at trines in, in, as bad and square, or I'm sorry, trines is good and squares is bad. And I don't necessarily agree with that because I really do think it has more to do with the relationship of the planets. What do you think, Amanda? Yeah, I think it does have something to, like, the relationship with the planets is really important. Um, I also want to throw out there that it, in a way that like there's a way that trines speaking of the like the planets that it can be too good like so for example 
um, this is not my example, but I'll share it. Um, say you, if trines happen with the same, all the same element. So let's get Aries, Sagittarius and Leo together. Aries says, I wanna light this dumpster on fire. And Leo says, sure, go ahead. I'll just have the fire department on, you know, ready to call him just in case the fire gets out of hand. And the Sagittarius comes in and says, well, if we're gonna light the dumpster on fire, we're gonna have the fire department on standby. Let's just light the entire fucking block on fire. That's not good. <laughs> but they're working together. So it's like a combined energy that you still have to pay attention to, even if like it's harmonious, right? So thinking of harmonious, they were just harmonizing together, but not really in the best way. There's a big difference between, there's a big difference between your best friends, like getting together and hanging out and your worst enemies getting together and hanging out for sure. So I do think that it can still present some challenges, but essentially the idea is that all of those energies work in synergy with one another. So yeah. they're all getting along in that moment. Now what, yeah. their, what their mission is, what they're trying to do might be different. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, kind of, that's kind of where we like have to dissect trines and to understand what they mean. Yeah. Um, then we've got squares. Um, squares are when planets are 90 degrees away. Um, technically, an opposition is also a square. So if you think of squares as being like your quarter way through, um, you're, you're like one fourth of the way through or three fourths of the way through a cycle with a planet. So squares tend to be times when there is a conflict that occurs that helps you um, come to a new conclusion or a new way of doing things. Like squares are helpful, but they they happen usually in a way that is disruptive. Yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily use the word like disruptive. Um, I just think it's it can create something that's that could be extremely challenging. Um, but the whole point of that challenge is for you to come out the other side of it. Like you, it's kind of like finishing up that cycle that the, con the conjunction started where it's like, you need to, if you don't go through that challenge, then you will never grow and do something new or change the way that you're doing things. Most of the time, like for me, when it's when there's a square with Venus, I feel like Venus has a tendency to soften things out. Yeah. And and so even a square aspect between Mars and Venus for me is like, yes, like 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 she is calming his ass down. Like this is not going to be as bad because it's an aspect between, um, you know, two planets that have a relationship where I feel like the woman sort of like like Venus in this situation like calms him down. So. Um, Mars, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so there's times when squares, I think, are actually incredibly helpful. Um, and then the last aspect that we'll talk about, and probably less so, honestly, because um, sextiles do happen more often, but sextiles are a 60 degree aspect that a planet is making to another pl uh, planet. They happen in the same polarity so positive um house or positive signs are going to aspect other positive signs and negative signs are going to aspect other negative signs so it gives you um a harmony uh, a positive interaction between those two planets that's less um it's going to affect you on a lesser scale be much more subtle than um if it's a trine basically yeah, I, I mean, in my own experience, sextiles are great, but you don't usually feel them that much. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the energy is, is much more subtle. Yeah. For sure. With yeah. So um, now I think that I'm talking about the most dreaded transit of all of the transits. Mercury retrograde, <laughs> which is what Jenny was going to start us on, but we had all those aspects to still talk about. Um, but 
Mercury retrograde. Um, it's interesting that our podcast is kind of starting in the shadow of retrograde and we'll be like, we're start, we're basically starting all of this during retrograde season. And we are not scared to do that because retrograde is nothing to be scared of. Um, I think when you're launching something, especially retrograde is, a, is kind of a helpful thing to happen because it, it pushes you to review yourself, to review your words, to, um, reassess where you're at and I think when we think of retrograde we're thinking of words that begin with with re or re so retrograde um literally means that mercury is is slowing down and then moving backwards from our perspective on earth in the sky so instead of moving forward it's in this phase of like sluggish movement for a few weeks and that's basically mercury retrograde mercury represents our communication um and our intellect and so when mercury is moving at a slower pace than what we're used to then it slows down our ability to retain information and our ability to um use technology and communicate and all of those things so um yeah, Amanda, how do you, what are, what are some ways that you work with Mercury Retrograde? So I am not a fan of being afraid of Mercury Retrograde. Uh, I'll say that right now. Um, the way that I view retrogrades, but especially Mercury Retrograde, because it happens several times a year, like literally all the time. Um, that's why every time we turn around, Mercury is going retrograde again. I view it as um, preparing just like you would prepare for the weather. If you have a bunch of errands to run that require you to leave the house, like, I don't know, for example, say you have to pay rent and you have to go get a money order and then take it to your, your landlord, but it's, it's storming. But if you don't pay it today, if you don't do that errand today, you can get a late fee that you can't afford to pay or that you really don't need to pay or you say you've already been late a bunch of times, you get evicted. You don't just not do it because of the weather, you still need to live your life. You just dress for the occasion. So like, you know, just prepare to have some things that might go wrong. Like an umbrella. <laughs> right, have an umbrella, bring a hoodie, do something. Like you, you still gotta live your life. Um, I mean, if you can avoid like signing signing an important document like sure if you don't need to sign that fine if you don't need to buy if you can wait a couple weeks to buy a new laptop wait great you need to wait to do it but like if you don't have a car right now and you have no way to get to work please still buy a car <laughs> like don't don't not buy a car just because it's mercury retrograde just triple check all of the paperwork, make sure the car is inspected, like do your due diligence to make sure that you made sure that everything was going to go as smoothly as possible. But I don't think Absolutely. that's something that we should be afraid of, especially since Mercury retrograde happens so often. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure we bought our house uh, when Mercury was retrograde. So I remember everyone just telling us to review the paperwork and just make sure we were like reading it twice, but we we already did read it twice. Yeah. I mean, we were buying I, a house. Right. You got it. I would hope that you would have read it twice regardless. For sure. Like, that's a great example. Like, live your life. Like, it's okay. Just, you know, prepare. How about you, Josh? Uh-oh. Josh. You, honey. <laughs> Oh my God, I didn't even realize I pushed it. Okay, so <laughs> Mercury retrograde happens three times this year. Um, it happens three times every year, basically. Um, the first retrograde we have this year is January 30th to February 20th. So that is, you know, the one that we all have looming on us right now. Um, but like, we're here to let you know that it's not really looming on you. Um, May 29th to June 22nd is the second one. 
And then September 27th to October 18th is the third retrograde this year. Um, so Jenny pointed out like that Mercury retrograde is like made famous in a song by Block Party um, mm -hmm. called Just Mercury. And um, it's funny to me, like, <laughs> it brings up like a sore subject with Amanda because <laughs> do you want to take, do you want to talk about this? Yeah, because the song says Mercury's in retrograde. Mercury is not in retrograde. That's impossible. It's not grammatically correct. A planet doesn't go in retrograde. The planet just is retrograde or goes retrograde. Yes. It's also funny that you have the background there's... on Zoom right now. <laughs> I don't know if that was Zola or Ezra, but I was agreed with. <laughs> also drives me nuts that on Instagram, a GIF is Mercury in retrograde and I won't use it because it says in retrograde. So. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it's not, it's just not grammatically correct. <laughs> it probably doesn't help in the song, but Block Party does go ahead and sing it literally over about, and over again. How do you feel about people that were born with Mercury retrograde in their chart? Hmm. I feel like... <laughs> They're okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I feel like it, it, it affects them, but I don't put a lot of weight on it. Like if I'm doing a chart reading, it's not something that I'm like pointing out um, unless they were to ask. And it really just depends. Um, I think that having Mercury retrograde in your birth chart can just make it to where maybe you feel like maybe communication isn't always the easiest for you unless you have really great aspects. Like it all just comes down to so many different things that could be. So I guess we could say like, you're more than just your sun sign. Of course, we all know that or else you wouldn't be here. Um, but you're also more know that you are more than just your <laughs> you're more than your mercury grade too yes yes absolutely um, so i am also here to tell you that mercury retrograde is not always bad really good things can come from mercury retrograde like this podcast um and then we compiled a list of stuff that has happened during retrogrades in the past that we think are really good examples of how you can still succeed even though there's a mercury retrograde. So yeah. stop freaking out people. As we were going it's through- just a transit. <laughs> it's just a transit. As we were building this list, I literally was like, this is a great way to show people that you don't have to worry about mercury retrograde. Right. Yeah, so, so the first one on our list is Elvis. Elvis had his first TV appearance when Mercury was retrograde in, I don't know, I don't remember if we looked that one up. I didn't write it down. No, Libra. It was in Libra. It yeah, was in Libra. And then Elvis um, recorded his first single in July of 1954, which was in Cancer. And I don't think anybody would argue that Elvis didn't have a great career after that. Mm -hmm. uh, and still does and is an icon and uh, speaking of icons and iconic things the next thing on our list um titanic the movie it released during retrograde in 1997 it was uh mercury was retrograde in sagittarius um december 17th the movie was released that movie went on to be one of the hugest um, box office smashes like made more money than I think it was on the top of the best movie, like like most money movie lists like for um, for a while there I think it's been surpassed now but for a long time that was and I know like Celine Dion made a lot of money off of that movie like that movie was certainly a success yeah um, Britney Spears who we all know and love um, released Baby One More Time on um, she, well, she filmed that during Mercury retrograde in Leo in 1988, um, August 6th, 7th and 8th, 1998 was when she filmed that video. So like great career for her. Um, you've got 
Madonna, her first single, Everybody, on October 6th in 1982, Mercury was retrograding Libra, um, sold 300 million singles and albums worldwide off just that one song. Um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire was released. What's that? The book. Yeah, yeah. Not the, the book. Um, released July 8th, 2000, when Mercury was retrograding Cancer. Um, and Mariah Carey, Daydream, 1995, Mercury was retrograding Libra. So there's just a few examples of like good, cool shit that happened when Mercury was in retrograde, mostly music because, you know, we're water signs here. But um, it just goes to show that it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think it'd be interesting to look back at all of those. Um, we talked about this earlier, Amanda, like looking back, like did the broadcast go as planned for Elvis? Um, did they have some technical snafus or hiccups or did Britney have some, some technical snafus um, when she was recording that video? Who knows, but they yeah. worked through it if they did. And I think that that's the important thing to remember is that we can work with all of these transits, no matter how scary they are, and um, use them as a guide to look at things from a, uh, from a different perspective or to um, understand why something happened the way that it did. I think 90% of the time, Amanda and I both look at our transits in retrospect. And that's why a podcast where we're doing that, I think spoke to us so much. Um, what, what do you do? How, how would you recommend um, working? What, so any other advice that you have, Amanda, for retrograde? No. Very <laughs> okay, cool. Just yeah, I mean, um, the only other thing I think we can maybe touch on is like the shadow. Um, this is like, I don't know why this became such a big deal this past year. It, I do know why it became a big, a big deal because people started calling it Mercury Retro Shade. Oh, I always still thought it was, I still <laughs> paid attention to it even before it's, it's new yeah, so, everyone loves so much. The <laughs> like, shadow of Mercury... Awesome. The shadow of Mercury happens two weeks before or two weeks after the retrograde. And it's when the planet starts to slow down. So communication can start to get wonky about that time, but it's like, it's sort of a, like a buildup to the actual retrograde. I don't think it's really anything to be super scared of. So it's not anything to be super scared of, but some people do. And I think this depends on maybe if you have Mercury retrograde in your in your birth chart or also um what sign mercury's going retrograde in because sometimes i feel mercury retrogrades more during the shadow period than in the actual retrograde and sometimes i barely even notice mercury retrograde at all but i do want to point out that the reason that the shadow period it's not anything to freak out about, but the reason that it is important is because anything that you do in the shadow period, when Mercury goes back over that point twice, goes backwards and then forwards over it, that time period is where some things might show up that you need to reflect on or review or reassess, or maybe you need to relax a little bit more and chill out during that, you know, that time because maybe you were working too hard. So many things can come up and it doesn't mean that they're bad or detrimental or anything like that. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I had a similar conversation with someone that I'm having now. And it's, it's the conversation's going way different than it did before. That's all like that. It could be as simple as that. And it doesn't even have to be a big deal. Absolutely. I think that, um, I think like the degree that it, also like that degree where it stations and crosses over several like a few times um, is also a degree where if you're sensitive to the energy and how it affects everyone on a collective level, like you may feel that, um, but it's really more important like where it's happening in your chart and where like what planets are aspecting it when it happens to you. Like it all has, it all has a lot to do with it. So 
there's a million things that go into it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to hear your Mercury retrograde stories. We want to hear like, how is this Mercury retrograde affecting you? Um, and, you know, tell us the crazy shit that's happening to you or um, like, if you've got questions about Mercury retrograde, we're also like, so excited to answer them. So, I'm even down to hear past Mercury retrograde stories if anyone has absolutely. that would absolutely. be good. I can but, think of a few not of my own necessarily but that some I've heard from some other people and I think that would be fun to share yeah so anybody who can send anybody who sends us those stories we will take some time on our next episode to feature some of our favorite um the easiest way for you to share those with us is through our email address. It's, it's just a transit at gmail.com. Um, and that's I T S J U S T A T R A N S I T. It's just a transit at gmail.com. Also or, there's a button in our, on our Instagram to email us. It's attached. Go to, and that, that is our second way is through our Instagram account. And that's at it's just a transit. Um, on Instagram. So you can send us a direct message there or um, an email and we will take your questions and your Mercury retrograde stories and share them next time. Also, um, we will definitely have some interactive opportunities on our Instagram page. So watch the Instagram for that and for when new podcasts are coming out. Um, next time uh, we talk to you in two weeks we are going to um, kind of get into the relationships between the planets and what that means. So what are polarities? What are modalities? What are elements? Um, we're going to save all of that for the next time uh, we all get together to talk. Um, and we're also going to talk about what Venus has been up to, like what is going on with Venus, because we're in the process of experiencing several Venus relationships in the sky. So we'll unpack those and talk about what that meant for us on the next episode. Um, for now, I'm Josh Nichols. I'm Josh Sterling, God damn it. That's my name. <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut that out, so. No, keep it in, it's so relatable. God damn it. <laughs> Who am I now? Oh yeah, I have a. Your space daddy. Your space daddy. I'm space daddy, Josh Sterling. I'm Queen Nurture, Amanda Hansen. And I'm Creative Maven, Jenny Overton. And we're It's Just a Transit signing off. Until next time. Trying to find us online? Make sure you head over to Instagram at It's Just a Transit for all the details on anything upcoming. Adios. Love you guys. See you Bye. next time.